Hello and welcome back to Over the Top Football. I'm joined as ever with John. John, how are you, mate? Good, Rob. Good. It was lovely to see you last week. Obviously, run the marathon. I was going to say it together, but uh, we didn't end up running together at all. We'll not tell the story why, but it was good to see you in Belfast last week. And hopefully, we can get together and do another podcast in person sometime soon. Definitely, um, guys. We'd love to hear what you thought of home on the pre-contract transfers episode. That was one we recorded in person. And you know what, John? I actually don't mind sharing. I pre-marathon had a. Uh, a little bit of the frighteners and uh, spent a while attacking the bathroom. Um, so I started the marathon about six and a half minutes late, hoping I would catch up and try and see the boys. But uh, John is absolutely rapid and uh, got a very good time. Yeah, yeah, it was decent. Decent. I think we had so many strategies and then we just threw them all out the window and won it. But uh, it turned out well for all of us. So fair play. Congratulations. And I'm sure hopefully we'll do another one soon. And maybe that time we'll run together. Yeah, maybe. I'll uh, I'll have to do a bit of speed work in the meantime. Um, but yeah, I think great marathon all round. And we'll put the link in the description of this episode if anybody would like to sponsor uh, because we did it for a very good cause. So moving on to today's topics and a bit of a rogue one here. I, th- I quite like our episode sometimes when it's not talking about the current state of football, given that I'm a Tottenham fan. Um, So we've decided to talk today about the three funniest things we've seen in football. Now, John, I know you had a few issues with these notes. And first time round, you had things like a player falling in over in front of Sam Allardyce. Yeah, well, he's, I mean, I'll not say that's not my list, but uh, I was saying you're a much better storyteller than I am. So I'm going to be relying on you a little bit here. But um, and, and one of my selections will also require a little bit of effort from your side as well. But yeah. I, whenever I think of like small things, I find little tiny pieces of football or little small things that happen very amusing. But for a podcast where we're trying to tell a story, it's probably not the best one to go into. Sure. Yeah, I think there's there's a few things that like didn't make the list, like Lineker um, soiling himself on the pitch and then rubbing it in like a cat. Uh, I think that was quite amusing. Um, one that very nearly made my list was uh, the balloon gate goal. I'm not surprised it hasn't made yours, but the one, I think it was Darren Bent scored in off a uh, balloon on the pitch, thrown onto the pitch by a Liverpool fan. And then the best bit about that story was the chase where somebody thought that it had gone in off an ice cream van. Um, instead of just a balloon and Bradley Walsh is there saying oh how do you think they managed to get an ice cream truck on the pitch (laughs) yeah that was beach ball gate it was a a beach ball been thrown onto the pitch but yeah the uh the chase clip makes it an even better story 100% um so kick me off John with your number one please yeah so mine mine won't be as specific as yours um you have very very really good examples and very good stories to tell for me as a Liverpool fan um post Sir Alex Ferguson there's been a lot of really funny times to watch United um and and I can say that now because they're definitely on the upward spiral with with Eric Tan Hag but when you were in Belfast last week we had a, a good chuckle at the Van Hal era so my one is the Van Hal era at Manchester United and I will require some of your impersonations here but it's he was just a bit of a 
it was a bit of a shambles the whole way, you know, from him jumping on the ground to show the referee what a dive was to naming his vice captain as Mike Smalling. And then of course the uh what I will ask you to to chip in here is the the press conferences that he was included in and some of the the very, very memorable quotes. Do you want to just fill us in on what one of those were? Yeah, so I, I believe you're referring to the infamous Louis Van Howe's army um press conference. And actually I'm here with Louis Van Howe. Louis, it's a pleasure to have you for the first time on the Over the Top Football Podcast. Um, can you just reminisce us of that? Louis Van Howe's army. <laughs> Thank you, Louis. Uh, that was an absolute pleasure. This was post-marathon. We had zero idea what Saunders was doing. He just started whipping out Louis Van Howe's army. And we, we ha- ended up having to, to go to YouTube to prove that in the end, it's actually a pretty, pretty accurate uh, impersonation. So I think Van Hal just provided, especially in hindsight and looking back on it, quite a, a lot of probably not sort of supposed to be funny, but quite a lot of funny times during his United uh, reign. Again, like I said, from diving on the ground to calling Chris Smalling, Mike Smalling, and then starting to his own chance during press conferences. He left his mark in the Premier League, um, and that was you know what made it even better is he left his mark in the Premier League without a Premier League winner's medal to, to top it off. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed yeah, his think, era. To be fair, he's he, he's he's fairly box office, and to be honest, was really really hard done by getting sacked after I believe he won the FA Cup final. Am I correct? And then within the same week, he got sacked. Um, considering yeah. how bad Man United have had it at times over the last few years. Um, Louis Van Howe maybe deserves a bit more credit. I know Mourinho now gets a lot of hindsight credit for his Man United time. Yeah, I think it was just the type of football that he played while he was there, um, which makes zero sense why you would give the job to Jose after that. But sure, it did. It came days after they beat Palace, I believe, in the FA Cup final. I think that was the the Pardew dance. So I think if there was one manager that deserved sacked after that game, it was probably Alan Pardew and not Van Howe. But we move on and. Um, that was just my way of getting your impersonation into the end of the podcast. So I hope everybody appreciated it. Perfect. Yeah. And actually, Louis, it was so nice to have you as the first guest ever on Over the Top Football. So thank you uh, for doing your bit today. So my first one is actually not necessarily dissimilar in terms of kind of several moments in time rather than just one moment in time. And that is the career of Mario Balotelli. Um, just so many things kind of went up with this uh, during during his period, particularly at Man City. Um, I'll mention literally just a few because there does seem to be a bit of Mario Balotelli fiction here. Um, like when I was Googling this, lots of people kind of said that he did things like paid homeless people like 10 grand and said things like stop being homeless. Whether I quite believe that or not, I don't know. Um, but here's ones that were definitely proven. So fireworks before the night before a big game um he started shooting them out of his bathroom window and then managed to set his bathroom on fire also kind of funny because you'd think the bathroom being a wet room is one of the hardest places to actually get on fire however Balotelli and friends managed to do it in the early hours before a game um there was the 6-1 uh win away at Man United maybe we actually do this as a separate pod but best celebrations ever but him 
getting the little top over over himself with the why always me i think is just absolutely iconic um and yeah definitely definitely seemed the case with mario at the time there's the jose Mourinho story um so it's half time inter milan have no more strikers in their squad never mind in their game for today um he said he spent 14 minutes of the 15-minute halftime team talk telling Mario Balotelli to not get a second yellow card because um, he was on a yellow and, yeah, like I say, no more strikers in the team. He then gets one after 30 seconds and Inter Milan have to play a full second half with no strikers and 10 men on the field. There's Mario Bibliotelli, as he was called, um, struggled to get a bib on by himself. There's that infamous clip of it. He's got uh, one of the team staff helping him and he still can't seem to get it on. Uh, you've got things like the 2008 Euros, where it's unbelievable, by the way. He genuinely looked like the best striker in Europe at that tournament. Um, him doing that kind of Hulk celebration that's been in a million memes ever since. And then also one of my favourites was in pre-season in 2011. Um Mancini's Man City at this point he is one-on-one with the goalkeeper and he just spins around and tries to back heel it into the goal of the net goes wide and then he's subbed off straight afterwards and I think he goes straight down the tunnel because he's pissed off for being subbed off yet literally tried the ultimate disrespect move I am told that apparently he heard a whistle um, and if you re-watch the clip, it does sound like there is one, but it is from the crowd. So it's the age old, even in a friendly match, you've got to try and be scoring your chances. Uh, but yeah, Balotelli, what a guy. Yeah, I think that 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 one-on-one situation of seeing a Stelly Galaxy in the preseason friendly on Mancini goes absolutely mental. But yeah, Balotelli is comedy gold. You could probably include a number of players individually in this list that we could have went through, but Balotelli was sort of the gift they just kept giving for a while um, until he ends up at your club and then it's the last one you want to see come to the door. Especially well, I, was when you, I was going to ask you about the Liverpool times. Was it, I appreciate you got rid of Suarez and I believe you got Lampard, uh, Lampard Ricky Lambert and Balotelli in. Was he kind of seen as that mm. maverick, kind of like a funny guy or were you just so frustrated at the downgrade in quality? More so the downgrade in quality. It was, it was more so he could fit into a team and if you were you know if you were pushing for top four top six and then you have mario balotelli in there it's probably better fun but whenever we've just come off the back of nearly winning the league losing the best striker we probably had in the premier league and then coming to the end of steven gerrard's peak the last person you want to be walking through the door is mario balotelli alongside ricky lambert so it uh, it wasn't as funny as it probably should have been and it wasn't as enjoyable of a time but you got to see a little bit more about the player. He was horrendous for us um, in terms of his mobility. He he looked nothing like the player that played in the 2008 World Cup. He, he, anytime he got the ball, even from about 45 yards, he just smashed it. And he had a good strike on him in fairness, but it just didn't end up well for him and it was never going to end up well for him. But I think it was the type of thing, if he was available, I think it was 15 million or something we paid for him, which is probably worth the gamble for any other club. But for a club trying to replace Luis Suarez... Definitely, definitely, definitely the wrong choice. A hundred percent. And do you think that the 2008 World Cup was a well-watched one? Uh, no, because it didn't actually take place, which is a good shot. 2008 yeah. Euros. <laughs> <Yep>. Infamously, it <laughs> did not take place in 2008, <laughs> did it? Not at all. It's very quick maths there. I was like, oh, there definitely was a 2002 one. Um, 2008 Euros, apologies. 
Um, I, I'm not a fan of international tournaments because Ireland are never there. So, yeah, but he looked for a short time, especially his, his time at Inter Milan when he was coming through with Jose Mourinho, he looked like he was going to be the next big thing. And then you very quickly realized that his attitude was absolutely horrendous. And it sort of just went downwards from there. But he does provide little glimpses of quality, even in his time in you know different part, different teams in the Serie A, or even in his time in France. Um, he did provide little glimpses of quality that maybe shows why he was rated as highly as he was. But he was a maverick. He went too rogue, and um, and his career went downhill. Definitely. Um, so with that, hit me with your second choice, please. So you've, you've sort of alluded to I, I, Sam Allardyce with Chico Flores isn't enough to make this list individually. Um, but with Sam Allardyce somehow being a Premier League manager again, I thought I should throw sort of funny managers and players interactions on the sideline or managers in themselves. So I've got touchline antics. Uh, we could have thrown Van Hall into this one as well, but some ones that come top of mind and you may want to add to this list ad hocly as well. Sam Allardyce to Chico Flores after he dives, where he just stands and, and laughs at him. I find that amusing every single time I see it. And these are small clips that people should go back and watch. If you haven't seen them somehow, do go back and watch them. Other ones you could add to this list would be Luis Suarez diving in front of David Moyes after scoring in the Merseyside Derby after Moyes accused him of being a diver. Um, it's those wee small off-the-cuff celebrations or antics that I always find amusing when watching football. Ferguson and Mike Phelan, the balloon uh, gate as well, different balloon, different incident. Mike Phelan bursts the balloon and absolute scores the shit out of Alex Ferguson again. Very, very funny to go back and rewatch. And then uh, one that, that I always enjoy is um, Merseyside Derby again. Liverpool battered Everton. Lucas Leiva decides to try and take a shot from 30 yards, scuffs it so far wide, and, and Jurgen Klopp and his bench just start laughing at him. So. It's those types of things without pointing to specific individuals or specific examples um, of really detailed stories. Those types of things make me chuckle when I watch football. And it's the small incidents that have a backstory that maybe are off the back of you know press conferences before the games where people react very sarcastically. Um, Irish people like sarcasm. I don't know if it's the same as English people as much, but those types of scenario situation short clips are what i thoroughly enjoy from a comedic value when it comes to football definitely and um i'm disappointed actually that you don't have uh benitez the magic man in there um the one where he moves his hand and his name and his uh record comes up as he does it on the screen yeah there's a few good examples i think gabby logan has a good example of that on bbc but um yeah she does yeah fireworks in the background yeah, there's probably loads and loads of stories. This one is is one that people can think back on about the clubs that they support or different games that they've watched and different you know bus stops. You, you're probably thinking Jimmy Bullard jumping over a crowd um, or Jimmy Bullard and himself pushing or just staring at Duncan Ferguson in, in complete fear. So there's loads and loads of examples that you can think back on, think about looks, laughs, dives, whatever it might be. It's those things that I find most funny when it comes to the football pitch and um, and things that I, I tend to remember as well. Yeah, I always enjoy seeing a manager's touch on the sideline. Uh, I think it's one of football's yeah. rare joys when the ball comes over and you see if they've still got it or they've lost it. But let's talk about Sam Allardyce because it's how you opened it. 
And obviously, he is now the new Leeds manager. He's got four games to save their season, some very tough ones. But his quote is almost comedy gold in itself this week. I'm up there with Guardiola and Klopp, says Leeds, Sam Allardyce. And Guardiola has come back in his press conference and said, you know, he's right. Yeah, I mean, he's not. What what I found funnier, I found that quote funny, but <laughs> what I find actually hilarious off the back of it <laughs> was that in Leeds' social media announcement of their new manager, they broke out his record, which if you add it all up and divide it and figure out the different ratios and percentages, it, it averages out at one win in five which simply will not be good enough to keep them up. Stunning. So yeah, I have no idea why they've they've sort of split it out that way whenever he's in charge of four games alone, but it would be the most Sam Allardyce thing to get one draw, everybody else around them loses, and he collects the £2.5 million bonus that he gets if he's able to keep them up over the next four games. But we, we've spoken about Leeds' last four games. They're absolutely horrible, and you will need park the bus tactics and long ball tactics in order to try and get something. So maybe big Sam's your man, but to say he's on par with Pep and Klopp and whoever else wants to be out there, proper nonsense. Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's a real last throw at the dice. I don't think he's signed any more uh, games apart from the four that he's been given. Leeds, Leeds are a mess structurally in defence. I kind of get the play because they're basically asking, can in four games in a very quick amount of time can he sort their defense to try and get the one maybe two clean sheets that they need to have a chance of staying in the division but yeah it looks it looks fairly bleak there but certainly having some of Sam Allardyce's A1 confidence will help them I'm sure um I also very much a fan of Sam Allardyce the uh pictures of him that Sky Sports do and then people photoshop him in the chippy yeah class there's a, there's a few actually there's a few holidays examples i think if you remember whenever bolton got possibly promoted from the championship or did something that was of celebration sam allardyce and i think it might be jj okocha dancing in the middle of the pitch there are good examples of big sam um even his fallout from being england manager was quite funny as well if you're if you're not an england fan um with even, even just, if you are yeah just the way he went rogue with that reporter it uh it was quite enjoyable and quite amusing. So Big Sam, as a standalone, is a very, very comedic personality because he's comedic whenever he tries not to be. And that's that's what makes some people most funny. Definitely. And it was the death of my rap career, my uh, Big Sam chant. That one was so bad that I never wanted to do another one afterwards. So um... I, don't, I don't think I've heard that one. I, I had some behind uh... the scenes. Um sort of drops with the Joe Allen chant that never never made the internet, but I don't think I've heard the Big Sam one. It, very uh, broadly, it was get the call and who's the man? Like Big Sam, Big Sam, Big Sam, Big Sam. <laughs> um, so yeah, an absolute bell to that one. Brilliant. Brilliant. I don't know what was better, that or uh, the Dembele one with you in a kid's park. But uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Selly Park was not a kid's park. It was an adult's <laughs> park just performed like a autistic child <laughs> nice well let's let's go on to your second choice okay talking of um suspect football ability we'll move on to diana ross 1994 so it's the world cup opening ceremony the u.s which are obviously a nation proud full of soccer history 
um, get their big star, Diana Ross. I mean, let's not deny it, chaps. She makes an absolute bell to tunes. Um, she is called to do the opening ceremony. She's doing a bit of I'm Coming Up. And she's heralded as the LeBron James of soccer um, to scream out this bel- belter. Um, huge kind of like pyrotechnics going on. Um, yeah, really nice vibe. It's the US, it's the summer. Football is here. Um, we then see her face up at the penalty spot. Um, microphone in hand. She's got about a six yard penalty. And to be fair, not a full size goal to Diana. Uh, they've kind of been a little bit stingy on the height of the net, um, but it's certainly wide enough. And you would have thought she would have practiced this. Um, she's going up against a keeper as well, who is a mascot. And you can bet bottom dollar if she kicks it at said mascot, he's going to dive out of the way. So up steps big Diana uh, and she launches what I can only describe as a miskicked thunder blaster. Um, yards wide in fact it actually doesn't reach the goal um it drags so wide and i don't think there's enough power on it for it to reach the net um but certainly being in the land of the brave um the show must go on the f- the net ripples open it literally like bursts in half <clears throat> as if a stevie g pile driver has just gone into the back of the net uh yeah, the mascot doesn't really know what to do. Diana Ross doesn't really know what to do. I think she drops her mic and starts running off. And then there's fireworks, there's streamers going on. It's literally like she scored the World Cup winning goal in the final. However, she's managed to drag a six-yard penalty about 10 yards to the left and not even reach the goal mouth. Um, absolutely fantastic stuff and a certainty for my list. If you haven't seen it, it's an absolute mush YouTube. Yeah class yeah it's it's a key moment from the 94 world cup isn't it it um, is yeah yeah if you haven't watched it go back and watch it there's some quality clips like that and that type of stuff actually gets lost on the internet nowadays because everything's short clips whereas you need that dialogue and the backstory and watch the whole thing and it is absolutely hilarious so very good selection i saw it in your list whenever i was trying to pick mine and it would have been very high on my list as well but yeah, i don't well, know if explain that sorry go ahead i was about to say unfortunately it won't do the rounds too much now because it is filmed on a potato uh just the camera (laughs) quality is absolutely not there you can as bad as the miss is that i'm describing you can actually barely see that she misses at all um so just one of those things but yeah that's a certainty maybe i'll get a little clip up for us on tiktok and get it viral get it revived once again yeah, we'll need to find a way to do it. But yeah, it doesn't get anywhere near enough views as it should do. It's top, top class, sort of unknown football comedy. And uh, you all of a sudden, you every so often see it on, what is it, like Sky One, where they do get the random comedians in to talk about the funniest football things ever. And uh, it should be much higher on the list. Definitely. Right, my last selection, yeah. if you're happy to jump straight into it. Yeah, yeah, it's please possible, hit me. Possible possibly one of my favorite football clips over the last 10 years just from a comedic value perspective and the absolutely perfect camera work to do with this celebration anyone who hasn't seen it i'm guessing everybody has but brissy dortmund versus wolfsburg Haaland comes back from injury comes off the bench to score a goal to make it 3-1 and for some reason whether he's been getting some form of abuse i don't know um whether there's been some verbals between him and this old woman in the crowd but 
He does a celebration specifically where he goes to that corner and points directly at her. And then the camera oh. pans very slowly to a woman who looks like she might be knitting, but she's in a woolly hat, <laughs> woolly gloves. <laughs> she just starts giving him the finger quite aggressively. Um, it's honestly one of my favorite clips in football history. It's it's so well-timed from a comedic value by the cameraman. It's such high levels of shithousery from Ernie Holland himself. And it's the reaction of the woman in the crowd, crowd who's sitting by herself with loads of empty seats around her, just specifically uh, reacting back very aggressively towards Erling Holland. Everything about the clip is perfect, in my opinion. And um, it's one that, that I would watch very regularly as it, it always appears in my timeline, just based on me probably like in every clip that ever comes up about it. One that makes me laugh every time. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. If you have seen it, go back and rewatch it. It's well worth the, the watch. It's well worth uh, sort of re-watching and, and getting yourself back up to fate with that moment. But the man of the moment, Erling Haaland, has to be in my list because of everything that he's doing at this minute in time. Yeah, I mean, Elite, I actually kind of love that as well. I know a few players have kind of come out being frustrated before that, like, obviously the various abuse that they get from fans. Um, players have to be so safe at the risk of upsetting someone, getting a ban, all of those things that abuse kind of feels really one way and unfair, actually. So I fully, fully rate Haaland for that. Um, and yeah, like you say, to everyone else, it's hilarious. Maybe a few of the Wolfsburg fans might have been a bit upset with it. Um, but I love it. And I love that you don't necessarily see who he's doing it to first. And then it's just, yeah, an elderly lady having a nice little knit whilst screaming at him in between, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I write that. And actually, I've got to say, Haaland is one of the better characters in the game at the minute. Yeah, he's top class. I, between that and um, and his impression of John Stones over the last few weeks, he, he's starting to come across really, really well. And as well as that, his his press conferences that are very to the point, and all he's doing is answering the question directly. I think he's actually a, a really, really big comedy character in the football game. I think he'll start to come across more like Zlatan as he ages a little bit more as well. But between him and and Michael Lalise's post mass press conferences, they're they're certainly my favorites. Yeah, Michael Lalise's are amazing. He just he seems confused when they want to give like people want any more from him but he's completely right because anytime you say anything slightly controversial it's just going to get clipped up these days it's going to go in the newspapers like ask to talk you through his goal like he hit the ball it went in the top court like what more do you want I think I really do kind of think <laughs> that the fact that Premier League managers now have to do a pre-match a mid-match a post-match like and bear in mind they have to do these for multiple companies as well just mm -hmm. it's it's boring it just genuinely is boring um and then every time say a conte or a Klopp or whoever loses the plot a bit at one gets a bit angry they're they're just not looked good on and like there's talk should they get sacked all the rest of it so um yeah, yeah i do i do rate those guys for being very direct 100 100 percent. let's go on to your last choice it's been actually uh as much as my my selections might have you know not a won't have had a, a biggest storyline as yours. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed your selection. So who's who's last on your list? Yeah, so we have 
Barbados vs Granada 1994 um, and I will do a little bonus afterwards as well because there's one that I've just thought of as we've been talking through this and maybe can be a little insight into a future podcast as well so this was the Caribbean tournament uh, obviously a bit of a random tournament um, but what they set up beforehand so the rule makers thought that they were doing something good innovating the game maybe this was the future of the game um, but what they did was they set up golden goal Again, not really a thing now. I can't think of anything that golden goal is played in. Um, if you don't know what that is, that is that the first team who scores in extra time wins the game. Um, but what they did was that golden goal goals counted for two goals. Um, again, I've, lo- I've looked at multiple articles. I've looked at multiple kind of like videos talking about this. No one seems to really understand why they did this. It wasn't like there was a clear reasoning. It just so happened that they did this. And then obviously these things come back to bite you. Um, So Barbados go into the tournament. This was in the group phases in the match, having to win by two goals to qualify for the main tournament. Um, Under these rules, obviously, means they have to win by two. They are 2-1 up uh, with about 87 minutes to go on the clock. That obviously means that somebody on the Barbados team realises this isn't enough. And actually, maybe the easier thing to do would be to try and score two goals in golden goal time. So what they do, um, one of the defenders and the keeper, again, why they quite do it like this, I don't know. But they play about seven passes back and forth to each other. And then the defender just absolutely boots it in the net. So the game is now 2-2. And you've got about what, two, three minutes left of normal time uh, with obviously a couple of minutes on for injury time. But now a couple of the Granada players have uh, noticed what's happening. A win for Granada is enough or in fact, actually just to lose by one goal. So Granada now realise when they kick off that they can score in either net to to, uh, win this game. So Barbados have about five players defending their attacking goal and about five, including the goalkeeper, defending their um, defensive net. And somehow, even with not long on the clock, manage to uh, pull off the great escape, if you want to call it that, and get through to extra time. We go to extra time. um, Classic kind of counter away goal. Barbados get their goal. They win by two via the golden goal rule set out at the start of the tournament. Barbados go through, Grenada go out, and that five or so minutes of nonsense football all became worth it. It's brilliant. It's absolutely class. Like if you haven't seen the YouTube videos or anything of the clips on it, you can read about it. And I think we both read about it previously and talked about it. And then you go and watch the actual videos of it. It's just literally insane. The goalkeeper in the center half just pinging it between themselves before he absolutely smashes it is funny in itself, but just nonsense loopholes rules and um it made for one of the biggest mayhems in football history but because of that made it absolutely hilarious so probably the number one selection on this list and um not a lot of people will have seen this probably from a a wider media perspective or it doesn't get anywhere near enough coverage so i'd say a lot of people haven't seen this game haven't seen the videos from it haven't read about it but i would highly recommend going back and re-looking at it yeah, it's uh, shockingly, the Granada manager wasn't too happy about it afterwards. I believe his press conference quotes basically said, you're supposed to score in the opposite net, not in your own net. How have they done this to us? Um, so <laughs> very, very amusing from that point of view. Um, 
And John, I mentioned having a potential bonus. Um, I will say this one because it will set up, I think, a future episode, maybe one we do in a couple of episodes time quite nicely that I want to do, which is best press conferences ever. And whilst we've been talking kind of over infamous manager moments and stuff, it reminded me very much of the Nigel Pearson, are you an ostrich press conference? <laughs> I forgot about that one. That's, um, uh, yeah, we should do, we should do a... Uh... A podcast or an episode in itself around press conferences and, and allow you to whip out some more impersonations i will get practicing all of them for sure um but yeah this one this one was hilarious uh basically a journalist i can't remember the exact question he asks him but it's it's a bit rogue and nigel pearson just starts asking him if he's an ostrich and has his head buried in the sand um <laughs> like just a really funny slightly quirky analogy um and really shuts down the questions there and then yeah top class top class well no i uh, i already have about five or six in my head so we should definitely do another episode specifically talking about press conferences but do you want to let the listeners know what other episodes are upcoming and what we might be covering in the next sort of two, three episodes? Yeah, so um, we have a few kind of planned. Uh, the next one will likely be our all-time favourite 11. Uh, there's a few stipulations to that, so it's not necessarily as easy as we could make it you can't just pick all of your favorite players um and then also we were thinking about doing one of an 11 of greatest one seasons in the premier league so that would be someone like suarez in 13 14 who um probably slightly unfairly wouldn't get classed as a premier league legend suarez but if you looked at his highest of highs there's definitely a case for arguing, for example, he goes above someone like a Shearer or above an Henri based purely on one season of football. So I think there's lots of interesting intricacies like that. And I'm not sure I've ever seen anyone do that. So it should be brand new content for you to um, want to hear. And you should definitely subscribe to us if you're not with the notification bell on, just so you can get the next episode of Over the Top Football as soon as it's out. Brilliant. That rounds things up quite nicely, Rob. Uh, anything else you want to add? No, not at all. I feel like a shorter episode today, but um, quite nice. We'd be very interested to hear what you think of our shorter episodes. I was told by my own father that the Tottenham 1 hour 21 was far too long and there weren't that many issues. And then ever since we've lost our manager, our sporting director, our interim <laughs> manager. Um, so... Yeah, certainly. Maybe it was maybe it wasn't long enough. Um so yeah, we would love to know what you thought of the episode and do give us a rating um if you haven't already. Um thank you very much, John. Brilliant. Thanks, Rob. Look forward to speaking again soon. Catch you soon. Bye.